0: So, this is the ninth chapter of Laws of Chuvah from the Rambam. And here, the Rambam is talking about reward and punishment in the Torah. We touched a little bit about this uh, in last week's class. And this is where really where Rambam addresses it. So, let's see what Rambam says. <laughs> the good that is hidden away for the righteous is the life of the world to come the life with has no death with it and the good that has no evil with it is pure life and pure goodness it's what's called in the torah and the, the reward of the righteous is that they will merit to this noam to this pleasantness this one we did already okay we did this already the wrong chapter okay let's start again <laughs> once we know the reward for mitzvah is if we will, and the good that we will merit if we keep the path of God that is that is laid out in the Torah, and what is the reward, the world to come. So then, what is it? What it says in the Torah? So here, the Rambam's asking. He set up the question. In the previous chapters, he said that the real reward reward is in the next world. So, as Brad asked the last time we 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 talked about this one second, the Torah talks about all kinds of physical rewards. It says, if you're going to listen, this is what's going to happen. And if you're not going to listen, then this is going to happen to you. And all of those things are in this world. For example, Torah talks about sova, which is satiety, famine, war, peace, kingship. Lowliness, humiliation, uh, dwelling in the land, being exiled from the land, being successful or being unsuccessful in other parts of the covenant. As you mentioned, Brad, this is, this is a lot what Deuteronomy is about. So the question is, the Rambam saying, well, one second, we established that it's all about the world to come. So what is this in the Torah about the physical world? Says the Rambam, all of that is true. The Yihiyu, they were true and they will be true. And when we do all the mitzvahs of the Torah, we will receive the goods in this world, all of them. And if God forbid we are transgressing them, then all of those terrible predictions come true as well. Nevertheless, but that is not the ultimate reward of the mitzvahs. And the punishments are not the real punishment. This is what how it works, says the Rambam. The resolution of the matter is as follows. God gave us the Torah, this Torah, which is the tree of life. Whoever does what is in it and knows it completely properly merits the life of the world to come. And according to the greatness of his deeds and the and the vastness of his wisdom, he merits. So he it's according to one's deeds and one's wisdom. And God promises us. That if we are going to do it with joy and with goodness of soul and we are going to be engaged in the wisdom of the Torah constantly. So what does God promise? He promises He promises to remove from us all of the things that prevent us from fulfilling the Torah. For example, illness, or war, or famine, and the like. So you hear what the Rambam's doing. He's saying everything that you're reading in the Torah about predictions of what's going to happen if you do the right thing, that's not the reward. That's a promise that you will have these things to enable you to continue to do the mitzvahs. God will give us all of the things that we need to strengthen our hands to fulfill the Torah, such as satiety, vishalom, and peace, v'ri an abundance of silver and gold, nasi, so that we will not have to be engaged constantly all our days in the in the physical matters, but rather that we will have the freedom. To be able to study the wisdom and to do the mitzvah so that we may, we may merit the world to come, and so it says in the Torah, after God promises all the goodness in this world, all the good stuff in this world, He says, "Utzdakati <speaking> alano <in Hebrew> for us if we take care to perform all these commandments." <speaking in Hebrew> and likewise, if we abandon the Torah and we are engaged in havle hazman the foolishnesses of the time as it says the jewish people grew fat and they kicked they rebelled right they uh, things became too good on the country club yosim kolte so the judge of truth removes from those who abandon the goods of the world of this who abandon. Uh, the Torah, it will remove all of the goods of this world because it's the goods of this world that strengthen their hands to kick, to rebel. And that's what it says in the Torah, that because we did not serve God with, with joy, then we end up serving our enemies among whom we are sent. So first of all, I just want to say that this is the the Rambam here is talking about the promises in the Torah, which are spoken to the Jewish people as a community, not as individuals. And so we see in the history of the Jewish people, we got to, to Israel, we built the temple, we started worshiping idols, temple was destroyed, and we were thrown into exile. The Torah predicts that that the Jewish people will get. Carried away with the material world, and rebel against God. And the same thing with the with the destruction of the Second Temple, very appropriate to today. What we're what we're experiencing the nine days, the nine days of mourning. Isn't isn't the story of Job kind of relevant to this? You know, so so basically, there. It's you know basically it's the, the kind of test of the kind of rewards view, you kind of worship. And he
1: he puts the puts uh, job, job to the test whether his his kind of commit his his, his, uh, his worship of God is kind of bound by rewards theory and it's not is that I
0: would what I on? would say yeah. that this is more the, this is talking about the Jewish people in general all the verses that he's citing it's not talking about an individual it's mm-hmm. talking about uh the Jewish people right and we see that that the Jewish people are treated as a unit. And so there, were there people who didn't worship idols during the first temple era? Of course, there were many tzedikim. But the, the, uh, the whole community is judged as a whole. And so the temple is destroyed, even though there are righteous people. And everybody goes into exile. So, you know, like this verse from Deuteronomy, Vayishmin yeshurun vayivot. Yeshurun is the Jewish people. Another word for the Jewish people. Jeshurun became fat and rebelled. That's the Jewish people as a whole. And that's what happens, um, you know, and, and all, all of the, in Deuteronomy, we're going to read it towards the end, in Parshat Savo. we had it at the end of Leviticus, in Parshat Bechokotai, all of these admonitions to the Jewish people, it's spoken to the Jewish people as a whole. So I'm not sure if the Job story, which is about an individual, fits into this as much. Uh,
1: but I uh, have a question, a follow-up question. <clears throat> and I don't know, so that's what I'm asking, but during the lifetime of the Rambam, a big portion of the Jewish community of uh, Spain got the option to convert or exile. Does the Rambam actually addresses that? Uh, that Was that I think that was I was deserve it because we didn't uh, because they, they, they lived in this time that actually
0: I think that was a, I think that was after the Rambam, the fourteen ninety
1: two. No, this, that was the fourteen ninety two, but they also had it in the uh, eleven.
0: Uh, oh, the Muslims 11. that kicked them out, yeah. Correct, correct. Yeah, the uh, Alawads.
1: Correct, and uh, his family chose to uh, exile. Right, to right, exactly.
0: Yes, I'm sorry. Yes. The question is, did you talking he, about the he, Spanish Inquisition? This,
1: uh, did he explain this somehow? As because basically, what is uh, during this time the Jewish uh, flourished in uh, you know the spiritual the, uh, the religious part was actually in its best
0: time yeah um, yeah you know i don't know it could be i'm not fluent in all the letters of the rambam um so it's possible good uh, for the research uh, committee yeah <laughs> i mean i know there was a lot of trouble in yemen and the Rambam wrote letters to the Jews of Yemen called the Geret Teman. also a false Messiah who rose up in 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 Yemen. That the Rambam and the the Yemenite Jews really love the Rambam. And um, there's a version of the Rambam by Kapach Rabbi Kapach that is like considered one of the most precise versions of the Rambam of the Mishnah Torah because he went back. Also, there's a lot of Arabic words in in Rambam because he wrote. Uh, not not the text that we're reading now. This the text that we're reading now is the only text of Rambam I believe, or one of the only that he wrote in Hebrew. Everything else he wrote in Arabic. So he wrote uh, commentary on the Mishnah in Arabic. In Arabic, which is incredible. So Rabbi Kapach, um, you know, they also had ancient man- manuscripts of the Rambam that were you know more precise, more midu So in fact. I mentioned on Shabbos, we were talking about the different customs about Hallel, of how Hallel is recited. So um, we know that that on Rosh Chodesh, for example, we don't recite the entire Hallel. We skip two of, uh, you know, parts, parts of the Hallel we skip on Rosh Chodesh, first of the month. And the Rambam describes how much, what exactly you should skip and included in that is the very short uh, psalm it's the shortest psalm it's psalm 117 it's only two verses haleluya sachem kol goyim shabchu kolamim ki gavala leinu l'chasteh ve'mesachem leinu halelu ka haydaya chem gitay k'chasteh yom ena yisra'el k'chasteh the rambam says you skip that as well which is not our custom and most safardic custom also not don't skip that but the saw so in the Rambam I was using, he says that like some the Yemenite customs, Rosh Chodesh they skip it like the Rambam, and I saw other in other places where they where he mentions that, and then the the custom of Teman is like the Rambam says it, so that was a close relationship. But as far as the Rambam writing about the um, the persecution, I mean he writes you know just practically you know, in, a, in an autobiographical sense, what happened to him and that he had to run from here to there and he had to go to Egypt and he went to Israel and he went back to Egypt. Um, but I don't I don't know what he writes about it from a f- philosophical, theological perspective, you know, whether this was a punishment or something. I don't know. Okay, well, let's go on here. Um So, but the Rambam is saying something, he's saying something over here, that's the Chiddush, that's new, which is when you look at the Torah, um, you know, superficially, you think, oh, this is the reward and punishment that the Torah is talking about. If you do the right thing, you're going to have food and you're going to have freedom and you're going to stay in your land. And if you don't do the right thing, you're going to get kicked out and you're going to have suffering that's the reward and punishment of the Torah that it appears superficially. The Ram is telling us that's a misread of the Torah. The Torah is not telling you that this is the reward and punishment. The real reward and punishment, as he says, is the world to come. Um, and yomim. And what the Torah is talking about here is not reward and punishment, but rather, it's a description of the fact that if you do it right, then you're going to be given the conditions to continue doing it right. And if you don't, those conditions will be removed from you. And as the Rambam puts it, if the goodness that you have is leading you to to kick, to rebel. And as you see, you know, you often see with societies, they tend to, you know, g- gain great wealth and great prosperity. And that can actually lead to the downfall of the society because they have too much time on their hands. <laughs> they're not busy earning a living and they're coming up with all kinds of interesting ideas and uh, thera- the, the therapy uh, the therapists are, are the ones making the money um, so this is what could happen with the Jewish people as well God is describing that um, if you if you take the good that you have and and that leads to to a the opposite of what it's intended for then it is taken away but not don't should, we shouldn't understand that as the end all and be all of the reward and punishment of the Torah also, wasn't didn't he, wasn't there enough experience with the, Jew, the Jewish people at
1: that time that things don't seem, seem to kind of merit where you get this kind of instant reward to deal to deal? What is the nature? Of, the nature, nature of belief it should be kind of independent. It needs to be independent of any kind of rewards view, kind of of uh, 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 worship in some ways.
0: Right, that's what we uh, we learned last time. Is you know exactly the 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 Torah describes what will happen. But not that this is the motivation that you should have in doing it. Although, as Rambam says, it is a, it is a uh, stopgap measure for a person who who hasn't reached the the higher spiritual level. Okay, so there the Rambam sums up. Nimtza of azay. So it turns out the interpretation of these blessings and admonitions is as follows. If you serve God with joy, and follow His path, then you get all these blessings, and the curses are kept away, so that you have, so that you are free to become wise in the Torah, and to engage in it in order to merit the life of the world to come, and you will have it good in the world, which is all good, meaning the world to come, and you will have longevity. In the world that is all longevity and so you are going to merit to both worlds you'll have a good in both worlds in this world and the next world to good life in this world and it will bring you to, to life of the world to come and because if you do not acquire wisdom and good deeds here in this world then you don't have with what to merit the next world because once you get to the next world, it's too late. You cannot uh, start saying, oh, now I'll do the mitzvahs. That doesn't work. And that's from Exiliastes. That in, in once a person passes away, you can no longer do deeds. And there's no, the calculation and the wisdom doesn't, doesn't work over there. That's, by the way, why we have a concept. That when somebody passes away, we do things in this world for their merit. Because they can no longer do mitzvahs. So we do mitzvahs in their merit because they can no longer do so. We also have a a, um, a principle, a custom, that when we go to a graveyard, we're not supposed to do a mitzvah in the graveyard. So for example, when a person goes into a graveyard, they're supposed to tuck in their tzitzit. Because otherwise it's considered laughing at the poor. Imagine you see a poor guy who's starving and you're sitting right in front of him eating him a big eating a big hamburger. You shouldn't do that. Guy is starving, you're gonna eat right in front of him. It's called Loeg La Rash. You are mocking the poor. And so we have a similar concept that when a person when you're in a graveyard, you're supposed to put your tzitzis inside, cover them up. Why? Because the, the dead can no longer do this mitzvah. They can't wear tzitzis. Even if they did, they wouldn't be doing a mitzvah. And so as not to mock the poor, in this case the poor is the, or the dead, who can no longer do this mitzvah, we cover it up. So this is what this verse in Ex- Exiliastes, huh? This is this verse in Exiliastes that says, "Kain You got to take care of business here before it's too late. Yeah. We im as after mes Hashem, but if we abandon God and we get too busy with meichel, you know meichel is a Yiddish for food. It's also Hebrew Machal, Uve and with drinking, uznus and physical pleasures with doymilahem, maybe alechem kolakholi say lumisak kolabrache satchiyichli mechem ba lavvachav liyachem li paniv li guf shalem lasa misakudish devnuchin lo ba mishibad mishnei ulamoi. So then you lose out from both worlds because it doesn't work out in this world and it doesn't work out for us in the next world because without the without having the material um, success one one cannot one ha- doesn't have the capacity to engage in wisdom and in mitzvahs with which to merit the world to come this is the Rambam's idea of exp- how he explains that the Torah, how the Torah ascribes reward and punishment is not re- reward and punishment per se, but rather the real world, real reward is in the next world. Let's look at Number base. The, the, the rabbit talks about this in a Sicha, in a commentary on Parshas Bechukotai. Bechukotai is the last portion of Vayikra of Leviticus where it says, if you will follow in my statutes, I'll give you the rain in it's time. So that's kind of the classic Parsha which Rambam is talking about, which kind of describes this quid pro quo, tit for tat situation. And the way the Rebbe asked the question, he says, what What about the person, it was Brad's question really, if we're supposed to serve God selflessly, why are we being told Oh, if you do the right thing, it's going to rain. I don't care if it rains or not. I'm doing the mitzvah because it's the right thing to do. Why is God telling me that it's going to rain? I don't care. So I told you last time that the Torah also has to address the people who do care about the rain. And they don't care so much about, you know, the truth. So you have to tell them, by the way, if you want it to rain, you got to do this and that. But the Rebbe is not satisfied with that answer because the Torah is speaking to every single Jew not just to somebody who needs the bribe of is going to rain. What about the Jew who doesn't need the bribe? What about the the righteous And so the Rebbe explains it? Basically the idea that what the Torah is describing is that when you do the right thing in the ultimate way, and the Jewish people as a whole do the right thing, it should express itself in the physical world. In other words, it's a statement of uh, the nature of things, right? I think the example, one of the examples the Rebbe gives is that when a person is joyous, it doesn't just stay in his heart or in his mind. It manifests in his whole body. It goes all the way to his feet. He starts dancing. So what does a feet have to do with joy? Joy is in the heart. No. The joy spreads and manifests. If it's real, it's going to express itself. Freud talks about it. It's got to go somewhere. He talks about it in the negative. The Rebbe gives the example in the positive. The joy has to go somewhere, and that's a metaphor that the Rebbe uses to explain that the Torah is saying that when we are, when the Jewish people are engaged in the righteous way, it's not that it's going to express itself in the physical world in the blessings of uh, that the Torah describes. So again, it's not it's not written as a bribe or even as an incentive, but rather as a statement of fact this is for the tzaddikim, on that level to describe the reality of what it should look like when we're truly serving god since god created the world it makes sense and it's it's logical that when we're truly serving god that ex- the that the effect of that expresses itself in the material world in the success in the material world now of course we've seen righteous who have suffered and and um, the ramam doesn't address that here but again those are again individuals and these are the things that we don't understand. Why a righteous person suffered, that's a whole big topic. But again, this is talking about the Jewish people as a whole.
1: So isn't it uh, a kind of realism of the people so some, some people just don't have the kind of awareness of this? And some people just maybe need a kind of, as a kind of starting point, need like this kind of rewards, rewards view you uh, for worship to get a start. And it kind of may, may lead to a kind of state of awareness as as he kind of progressed through the different levels wasn't that sense, sense yes in a, in a sense of
0: this? yeah yeah and the rambam says that even about uh reward of the world to come that also could be used at a, at a beginner level yeah,
1: yeah. And so it's like learning elementary tactics for uh, uh, one, you
0: know. exactly in fact the rambam uh, as we, i thought it was very striking we learned that last time where the rambam says you know, to, to, to graduate gradually, to gradually graduate. Don't don't go off the cliff, um, with without you know without um, without the safety net. Okay, halacha too. Now the Rambam starts talking about the Messianic age, even though this is in the this is the first book of the Rambam that we're, we're, we're reading from. And it's in the very last, the 14th book of the Rambam, the last two chapters, where he talks about Mashiach for two chapters. That's where he addresses the subject of Mashiach. But here he talks about Mashiach as well. And here's what he says. And this is why the Jewish people and their prophets and their wise men and women yearned for the Messianic Age. Why? So that they would be able to rest from the oppression of malchuyas, of kingdoms that don't allow them to engage in Torah and mitzvahs as is proper. And they will find rest. They will increase in wisdom, so that they will merit the world to come. Again, not for any for the material. Um pleasure of that but rather the material is seen as a means to an end a means to being able to enabling us to engage in what we really want to do which is torah mitzvahs and which leads to the world to come in those days the dimes of mashiach the wisdom the knowledge will increase the and truth as it says in isaiah the earth will be filled with knowledge of God, like the water covers the sea. It also says in Jeremiah about the Messianic age that man, one man will not teach his brother, nor a man his fellow. All will know me, God says. So you won't have to teach. Everything will be known. Venemar is written in Ezekiel. I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh. Right, So it won't just be wisdom that we have, an abstract wisdom, because sometimes you can know something and it doesn't impact your heart. So he brings the verse from Ezekiel, and it's not just knowledge, but it's also the feeling This knowledge is going to flow to the heart; it won't get stuck in the throat, as sometimes happens, the meitzar hagaron. But rather, God is going to remove the heart of of stone and will be replaced with a heart of flesh, so that we will actually feel. The Rambam continues to describe the time of Mashiach, that there will be a king who will arise from. Be a descendant of King David, Baal Chochma, of course, talking about Mashiach, a master of wisdom, yes, sir, Mishloimoi, even greater than King Solomon, and will be a great prophet close to Moses. How do we know he won't be greater than Moses? Because the Torah already says, God says, No, no, there's no prophet like Moses, even Mashiach. But wisdom, yeah, beyond King Solomon. So this Mashiach is going to teach all the people and teach them the way of God. And not only the Jewish people, but the nations of the world will come to hear Him. As Isaiah says, and will be in the end of days. The mountain of God's house shall be established at the peak of the mountains. That's the end of the verse. Rambam doesn't finish. But the end of the verse is all the nations shall flow to this mountain. So which means that all the nations will want to come and learn from Mashiach. Sorry, did I say L'Shamay? L'shamay yeah. Shalmay to hear him. Okay. Now the Rambam makes a statement that is controversial because Nachmanides disagrees with this, Kabbalah disagrees with this. Uh, but let's hear what the Rambam says. The Rambam says so the question is what is the ultimate? Is the ultimate the time of Mashiach or is the ultimate this world to come that he described? as being the afterlife according to the Rambam what's the ultimate the world to come meaning the afterlife as he says mm-hmm. the ultimate reward and the and the, the ultimate tova the ultimate good which has no end and and no de- and, and is never diminished is the world of the life to come the life of the world to come the afterlife but the days of Mashiach that's this still in this world and the world will be continuing on its in its normal way, meaning it's not going to be some supernatural uh, Willy Wonka experience. Rather, what's going to happen then in the time of Mashiach, the kingship will be returned to the Jewish people, sovereignty. Our sages have already said, our early sages, Ain bein Mashiach. There's no difference between this world and the days of Mashiach except for our subjugation to the other kingdoms whereas now we are subjugated to other kingdoms. In the time of Mashiach we will no longer be subjugated. We will have self-rule. As I said, this is a controversial subject. As we see, the Rambam is saying that the afterlife is the ultimate, not the days of Mashiach. Nachmanides says, no, the ultimate is the days of Mashiach and the, the uh, resurrection of the dead uh, living in this world. And this is the, the way that Chassidus, um, Kabbalah and Chassidus, Chabad Chassidus particularly, uh, comes down on the side of Nachmanides, not Rambam in this, and says that the ultimate, in fact, is in this physical world. But the Rambam, uh, according to the Rambam, the ultimate is the soul without the body, the soul, um, independent of the body in what we call heaven or paradise.
1: You know, there's no. Uh, it's it's uh, not so much a contradiction, but a timeline, right? <laughs> the Ramam is just a little bit earlier.
0: Yeah, it, it says
1: the, the, the schedule starts a little bit earlier.
0: Oh, i mean the, the what nachmanides would say ramban would say that you know the afterlife is until mashiach comes right if somebody passes away a year ago he went to the to the world to come to Abba, in that sense the ganedin and so forth but once mashiach comes uh, then the ultimate is here in this world according to rambam even then the ultimate is we will live in the in the time of Mashiach and then pass away and go to the to the heavenly world to come.
1: According to Rambam, we potentially living in Mashiach right now, right? There's a state of Israel sovereignty.
0: Um,
1: it's not quite religious, but uh, we don't have a king.
0: Right, right.
1: We can make one. Bibi
0: is very close. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it. it you know, the, if you could just go by that last statement, you know, self, uh, self-rule. Yes, but I mean, even in this very chapter, in that very halacha, the Rambam describes, you know, the wisdom of God filling the world, as uh, the water covers the sea, and God removing our heart of stone, and uh, king Mashiach, descendant of King David. Who is teaching everybody and everybody's coming to hear him? Um, you know, that we certainly have not seen yet. So in gathering of the exiles for sure, that means that you know it's the it's the beginning of something. But to say that this is Mashiach, um, it doesn't seem to match the picture. <laughs>
1: Be a collective uh, consciousness in relation in relationship to the to the coming of Mashiach in theory or practice.
0: You say that it does it have to be a collective consciousness?
1: Yeah, I mean, do you have to do? Is part of the the prerequisite for for that? Is it when I say a collective, it can't be just like one or two people sitting on a mountaintop or three or four people in Brooklyn and a couple of people in, you know, in Arizona, and they get together and say, OK, you know, we're good. Does it have to reach a, 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 a certain quantum?
0: Right. Process? Critical mass.
1: Yeah, critical mass.
0: Yeah. And it's also it's also cumulative over the generations. Right. So this is, uh you know, we don't start over with every generation. This is we're building. Oh, yeah. There's an expression, kinanas al gabe anak, like a small person upon the shoulders of giants. Right. right. So we may be small, even though we are great, but we may be small in relation to the challenges that previous generations have gone through. Um, you know, with challenges just going back 50 years or 100 years. If you go to, uh, you know, communist Russia or to some of the uh, Arab lands where the Jews faced a lot of oppression or even here in the United States, if you go back to when it was very hard to keep Shabbat because, you know, if you you had to keep your store closed on Sunday because of the blue laws, if you kept them closed on Shabbat too. I just saw he... uh, Somebody was posting a newspaper from like the 20s or the 30s about how uh, they would give out fines to the Jewish shops in New York and elsewhere for being open on Sunday. And it was almost like, you know, they did it and they knew they would get fined, but they had to be open there. That's how they made a living. They they were closed.
1: Growing up back east, there were, you know, the stores, there were the blue laws, I mean, in New York and New Jersey.
0: Yeah, they're still on the books in, in many states. So um, there was one article where the 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 Jewish oh, oh, the Jewish shop owner said he did keep the Sabbath on Saturday. Right. But the judge didn't accept the uh, that argument. But in any case, we, we've seen much. Um, are, are we as great as the as the generations that came before us? No, but we stand on their shoulders. And so you talk about critical mass and exactly how many people it has to be, right. uh, the rabbis' approach was that you know everything is already... There's no, no longer any more excuse for Mashiach not to come. We've, we've been through so much, and we've done Jewish people as collectively, going back thousands of years from when the Temple was destroyed. We've definitely um, deserved, and of course, with all the suffering, with the Holocaust, and uh, everything before that, that was really inexplicable there's no real explanation we you know the Reb always looked for things you know what hasn't been done yet to do one more thing to bring Mashiach I remember when the, the the Tanya came out in Braille said, oh this is something that was never done before that Hasidus could be read by the blind um so you know he's looking for 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 new things and and, and one more thing so um You know, it's not clear exactly what happens, but you did remind me of something that we talked about in Shul the other week, which is that each individual is a little piece of Mashiach, right? That there's a a collective Mashiach, meaning that there's an individual who is Mashiach, but the entire Jewish people are a piece of Mashiach. And so each of us, we have to reveal the Mashiach aspect of ourselves in order for the collective machine that will contribute to the to the revelation of of the of the individual, the micro mashiach. And uh, there's also this idea that the righteous can really live in a very messianic state. I've told this story many times about the rabbi they came to him and they told him Mashiach came. Mashiach is here and he stuck his head out the window to sniff the ear and he said no he hasn't. I don't smell it. And um, there hasn't been any change in the atmosphere. And they asked, you know, why did he have to put his head out the window? Why, wouldn't he smell it in his own? He said, no, in his own room, it always smelled like Mashiach. That's, that was because of he was living a Mashiach type life. And he had to put his head out the window to see, well, his Mashiach come to the world? So, yes, there is this idea of, you know, having bringing Mashiach in your own life. Um, but the, the righteous are not satisfied with that and they want Mashiach for the world so to sum up today's Rambam he talked about what is the real reward reward what is the Torah talking about when it talks about the the punishments and the and the rewards that is a description of the reality of God will give us the capacity to keep the Torah um that and, and but but the ultimate reward is in the world to come we have the Rambam's view that the times of Mashiach, as great as they are. He says, he says, based on all that, that's why the sages wanted the time of Mashiach, not for any material rewards that we'll have then, or abundance, but rather, because then we will have the freedom without the persecution. And what will we do with that? It will give us the capacity, will enable us to be able to engage in Torah and mitzvahs and, and to merit the life of the world to come. So, um that concludes for us the 10 chapters of the rambam on the laws of teshuva and we look forward to seeing you for the next class which will be on the laws of the how the calendar was made back in the day With the witnesses coming and saying, oh, we saw the new moon and so forth. We're going to learn those laws in depth and how when you make a leap year, when you don't make a leap year, an extra month of Adar. And when a month is 29 days, when a month is 30 30 days and so forth. And a little bit about how our calendar is made today. So thank you all for joining us and we'll see you again very soon.